Am I on? Oh, perfect. Morning, church. Wow, it's weird with this mic. James, I don't know how you do it. But, um, yeah, it's such an honor. Um, it's a privilege to talk with you guys. And Am I okay? Oh, I, I think we're good. I think this one's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I increased the font. Awesome. So, um, the past two weeks we've been talking about a very heavy topic. It's been grief, really. And, uh, yeah, this one's been close to um, Enoch and my heart and my sister as well. And, oh my goodness, <laughs> start of the message. But, um, yeah, and it's crazy because three weeks ago, James asked me to preach on this. And uh, just like what's happening now, the same thing happened there. And I was like, I have no idea because... I think I'm still processing a lot. But, the, um, yeah, we've been talking about it. I'm going to collect myself, I promise. But the title of the message today is Grieving with Hope. And, yeah. And I'm actually going to start with not my testimony, but my mom's. And not many people have heard this one before. Uh, okay, so my mom met my dad in, in Bahrain, a little island, and they got married. They were saved together. They decided to leave the Catholic Church together and follow Jesus, that new relationship that they found going deeper and deeper in. Just a bit, bit of history of my dad. He was actually, he was the priest of the household in every sense of the term. He was like, an ama- he had such an amazing anointing on him for worship leading and preaching and teaching. And, uh, yeah, we never got to hang out or meet with him because he passed away. When Enoch was one, I was three, my sister was five. But this testimony here is how my mom dealt with all of that. So, in our lives, grief is inevitable. We're going to go through losses, losses. And how we deal with that is so important. So I want to say here this morning that it's so important to grieve. We should grieve. We should process. And that it looks so different for everybody. It looks so different. And this is what I learned in processing the last two weeks. Knowing that I still haven't processed my mom. But I thought about what she laid in our lives, the three of us. And soon after my dad died, obviously when, when loss hits, you have to do a lot of stuff. You have to like, make arrangements, uh, funeral arrangements. We were in a little island in the Middle East of Bahrain. She had to somehow fly the body to India, create, do all the funeral uh, arrangements, bury him, fly us back to Bahrain to carry on life. Because in our society, it demands that we need to go back to work. And she did it. She did it. She went back to work with three kids, but she went back and she did it for us. But here's the little um, piece that I learned during the past two weeks. I have this vague recollection. She'd put us to bed at night. She put us to bed, and she'd at some point in the night go out into the living room 
And I don't know if you guys, like, the, like some of the older, the, the older generation, there was a way to pray back then where you were just prostrate on the ground, you know, like hand on your knees, hand in your head on the ground. She would cry. She would cry with God, asking, her, asking him, why? Why did you let this happen? Your father was doing all of this for you. He was working. People were getting saved. People were getting healed, delivered. She'd take all of these emotions and take it to God. And yeah, she'd do that not just for a day or a night, a couple nights, but this went on for like two years, three years. It took long. So quick in our lives, like many times, we just jump as Christians. We just jump to the God is good face. We don't cry with God. I'm guilty of it. People ask me, I remember like, uh, I jumped back into work. I actually like, my mom passed away. Two days later, I was on a flight back to Canada. Right from the plane, my plane I kid you not, I jumped into a bus and went to school. And then after school, I jumped on a bus and went to do a shift at the hotel that I was working at. No rest. I didn't want to process. On the plane right here, I was just praying that the plane would crash. It's a sentence. To grieve a loss is a sentence. You feel like something is taken away. And I'm talking about an extreme loss here. But losses range across various things in our life. It could be a loss of a job. And we've talked about this the last two weeks. It could be the loss of a dream. You thought you could be something somewhere. A lot of us moved to Canada working in high professions there and unable to secure that job here and we have to settle for something else. It's a loss. Have we processed? Have we brought our feelings to God? Have we processed with Him? So yeah, going back to that story, my mom did this for two or three years. And I remember because like my sister and me, we'd wake up sometimes, we'd actually walk out to the hall and hear or almost yell at God, like, why? Why would you let this happen? Why would you let this happen? My kids are going to grow up fatherless. Why would you let this happen? But here's the testimony. Doing that, she still raised us, the three of us, to do family prayers every night. I think God was glorified in that. Through those two or three years of taking her anger to God, she still raised us to pray for each other. Even when we stub the toe, we pray for healing. She raised us like that, and I think God was glorified there. She raised me to lead worship at our life group at the age of eight. As soon as she found out that I was playing guitar, she said, no, okay, you're, you're going to start it's leading worship. I think God was glorified in that. She even raised us, the three of us, to pray with all the faith that we had at her deathbed that God would raise her. I think God was glorified in that. It came out of those two years, those three years, and even more of taking her emotions to God. She had a deeper relationship with him where... She knew that God wasn't afraid of our emotions. 
He wasn't, he, was, he isn't afraid of our emotions. He made us with our emotions. He made us with our feelings. And I just believe that she had such a deep relationship with him that she wasn't afraid to take those emotions back to him, take all that anger. The great thing about God is, is that, you know, he, he makes a table for us in, in, in our enemies. He actually invites us in. Come sit, come sit, tell me what's wrong. So I wanted to share that because nobody has ever heard that story before and I don't think she ever gave that testimony, but there was, there was a process to getting to that point to raising us up like this. To still be in love with God despite going through all of that. The two, three years, and then, then some with the other losses that we endured, I think, and I believe that God revealed himself not just to her but to us in, in such a new way, in a fresh way, that we understand that he, he continues to love us where we are, in whatever state we are, in, in however angry we are. He continues to love us. And taking that anger to God showed her how much he actually loved her. I'm going to read from Psalms um, 34, 18. And this is the message. I love this translation. Um, If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. I love that line, even though it's metaphorical. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you, help you catch your breath. Growing up with Enoch, we, um, we're two years apart. We wrestled a lot. How many, ever, how, how many of you have been kicked in the gut? Yeah, I've been kicked in the gut a lot of times south of the gut. It takes a while to, to catch your breath. But here it's saying God will help you catch your breath. There's time that's needed. This time that's needed to catch your breath, take that time, take the time to grieve your losses. It's so important. That's why I love that line. And through, through the Bible, we, we see several, um, several verses describing how the Jews grieved. And like in, Egypt, in um, Genesis 50, um, when Joseph's father died, the Egyptians, the Egyptians grieved on his behalf for his father for 70 days. And then in verse 10, I'll just read that. Arriving at the Athad, thrashing floor just across the Jordan River, they stopped for a period of mourning, letting their grief out in loud and lengthy lament. For seven days, Joseph engaged in these funeral rites for his father. Once again, seven days. Then we see in Numbers for Aaron, when he passed away, they grieved for 30 days. In Deuteronomy, when it's Moses passing away, they grieved for 30 days. I love this one. In 2 Samuel, David's grieving for for Saul and Jonathan. And King Saul hunted him for years and years. Still he grieved for Saul and Jonathan. Verse 11, in lament, in lament, David ripped his clothes to ribbons. All the men with him did the same. They wept and fasted the rest of the day, grieving the death of Saul and his son, Jonathan. And also the army of God and the nation of Israel, we, uh, Israel 
victims in the failed battle. Later in the chapter, he writes a song and teaches it to, to the people and asks that they lament in that way. It was a process where people stopped to actually grieve. But in our society today, we actually don't have the time. We have to jump back into doing stuff. I think that's what we think is expected of us from the people around us. I know, I, I even I thought that. I remember... Um, James coming to pick me up uh, a couple of days after I landed, after my mom passed, and he just wanted to check on me. And he picked me up from the place I was, I was staying and dropped me to uh, the hotel for my shift. And he just asked me, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good, man, I'm good. I think I've accepted it. And this is, this is like, what, maybe six or seven days a week after the funeral, I'm telling him, I think I've accepted it. And then he knows in his head that, you know, this is the wisdom that I love about these guys, James. But he, he looked at me, smiling, you know, and all he did was ask me, so tell me about your mom. He did that, and I broke down in the car. Because I was so worried about, you know, even what James was thinking at that point, that I need to, to be strong. I need, I'm, I'm a guy, you know, I need to push my feelings down. I need to just be strong for everybody else. That's what I thought. But later on in that ride, he actually said it was okay to not be okay. It was okay to feel. There's, there's no way that grief isn't a moment. You know, it's not a moment in time. It's a season. And sometimes it's a recurring season, as you can see, which is why I'm in tears. I'm still processing my mom after four years. And it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. But... I just want to encourage us, like, take time. Take time to grieve whatever loss, all the losses. Sometimes we don't even have time because there are so many losses that are occurring one after the other. But um, because of that, I actually, um, and I know Greg talked about this last week. He talked about feeling your feelings, and he said there are a few questions that you can ask the Holy Spirit. Basically, to ask you how you're doing. And I actually want to do that, if that's okay. I want to do a live demo, and I want to be vulnerable with you guys. Just to bring you all into my life just a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah? So, I need the voice of the Holy Spirit. To me, it sounds South African, so Lee. Would you, would you come up here for a second? <laughs> guys, give her a big hand. We love Lee. We love Lee. Let's see if we can find your mic. Is that good? <laughs> All right. You're just going to ask me these questions. Hopefully you can read my... And this is not rehearsed, I promise. This is what I'm feeling right now. Josh, what are you mad about? I'm actually mad about the immigration situation that I'm in right now with, um, with my wife and I. I don't know... I just don't know. I'm just mad at the whole situation about how there's a backlog, how I have the points to get an invite, but I'm not going to get an invite they, they say for the next six months. That's what I'm mad about right now. We're mad with you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sad about? I'm sad that my mom couldn't be here sitting and listening. It, it's a good and bad because... I, I don't know, I, couldn't, I wouldn't be able to preach this, I guess. 
But I'm sad about that. Uh, what are you anxious about? I think the only thing that brings anxiety that we are at now is not knowing what my status is going to be in November. That's the only thing. That, and I don't have any control over this. And I know, I know it's in my head that, Holy Spirit, you're in control. But I think that head knowledge still has to get to my heart where I can believe it and trust that he's going to move. That's, that's what brings me anxiety right now. What are you glad about? I am glad that I'm part of an amazing community. I'm glad that my, my small family turned into s- such a large one. I married an amazing woman, and her family back home was watching right now, who's been praying for me this whole couple of weeks in preparation for today. They love me. I'm happy that I'm part of Lighthouse. And I know that you guys love me and I love you. This can go on. You know? <laughs> but thank you so much, Lee. Yeah. I just, I wanted to do that with you guys because this brings me to my next point. Which is, the first one is, we should grieve. The second, we should actually grieve in community. What I did there with Lee, if, if she had asked me, Say, Josh, how are you doing? I'm okay. The, the conversation ends there. Your wall is still up. But if she asks me, Josh, how are you doing? I'm not okay. Immediately, her response is going to be, oh, no, tell me what happened. What is up, bud? Are you okay? She's going to say that. And immediately, that big wall is going to crumble down. That wall that we've built in our lives to appear to be good Christians or the the cookie-cutter Christians where everything is going amazing and God is good. The minute we say, I'm not okay, we let people in. And I wanted to do that this morning with you guys because it's so, so important to grieve with community, with people, with, with even a single person in your community here, a safe friend, one that will hold your arms up I'm just going to get back to my notes here. Yeah. So, giving in community. Feeling your feelings with your, the people who love you. Letting them in. As a community, we're still good at reaching out, you know, to people as, as soon as there's a loss. We're quick to send them food, you know, send them a message, drop by, drop flowers, you know, all of that. But like I said before, the, the grief is not just a moment or a meal. It's, it's a season. And at some point, you know, it becomes my responsibility to actually open up to other people when they ask me how I'm doing. And likewise, you know, it, as a community, we're supposed to grieve with people in pain. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We don't do that enough. I think we're there for the happy moments, but weeping with other people, it's ugly. It's inconvenient. We don't do that enough. And there's a reason to do this with people. Our community can be strong for us when we aren't. 
Our community can bring hope into our lives when our hope is gone. And we actually see this in John when Jesus is on the cross. I want to read from John 19, um, 24 to 27. While the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. He said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then to his disciple, here is your mother. From that moment on, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. What he's seeing here, the both of them loved him so much. They were going to grieve him, but he knew that they needed each other in that moment. For those moments of grief, we need each other. We need to draw close to each other. In the book of Job, um, chapter 2, I love this part. Three of Job's friends heard all of the trouble that had fallen on him. Each traveled to his own country and went together to Job to keep him company and comfort him. When they first caught sight of him, they couldn't believe what they saw. They hardly recognized him. They cried out in lament, ripped their clothes, dumped dirt on their heads as a sign of their grief. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. They sat without saying a word. They could see how rotten he felt, how deeply he was suffering. And this is Enoch and me, actually. A lot of times we, we can't, it would, there's nothing we can say to comfort each other, but just being together, there's such a power in presence. Being there for each other, not, not having to say a word. We should grieve in community. And the last point I want to make today is that grieving with hope, grieving in community with hope. In Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 1, to 3, 1 verse 3 and 7, Paul writes to, um, he's writing to the church in Corinth. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles. He's not one to pick and choose. You know, I, I have, Alex and I, we have a big dog, and he jumps around a lot. And every single day, I kid you not, he's, he bumps his head into Alex. And she goes, oh, my face. It's gotten to a point where I'll look. I'm like, remove your hand, remove your hand. Let me see if you're bleeding. Oh, there's no blood. You're fine. He's not that kind of comforter. All our troubles, guys. All our troubles. Every single thing that we go through. Stubbing our toes. I love that part. It comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort, in, in, comfort others in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. So why is it important that we grieve? There's going to come a time, and I've seen this, there's going to come a time where someone's going to come along. Someone's heard this message and they've chosen to grieve in community. They've, they, they're, they're, they're opening up. 
and telling you about their losses, telling you about the pain that they're feeling, and they're choosing to not push it down, but to actually feel that pain with you. There's going to come that time. And it's going to be where we're actually going to be called to comfort that person, not in our own strength, but the comfort that we received through God. In our time of grief, the two years, the three years, pay attention to time. It takes a while to actually process. It takes a while to hear from God, to actually feel that comfort through that time. It takes time. But there's purpose to it. God wants to bring us through to open us up to a new transformation of our walk in Him, to a deeper revelation of Him. So there's purpose to that pain you're feeling right now. Any loss, it's not just a, a death, it's any loss. There's a purpose to that pain. You can bring comfort to others that are in pain. Not your own, but His are God's comfort. Verse 5 says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope is firm in, our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So why is it important that we grieve in community? It's so easy to lose hope when you're feeling that pain in those moments where it just feels like something is just being ripped out of you, has been ripped out of you. We have a tendency to go into ourselves, move away from community. It's important because community holds our arms up when we can't. Community can speak life into us or just choose to hang out with us, to walk with us in our pain. And that, that's what Paul is saying there. In verse 5, 6, and 7. Verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Instead, we felt we had received the sentence of death. A sentence of death. Sometimes we feel that. We feel like when you've lost something, it just feels like someone's put this on you, where it's a death sentence. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope and he will, that he will continue to deliver us. I'm going to read that again. 
He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Church, he is our living hope. We sang that this morning, and it's the great part of being a worship leader and preaching the same day. <laughs> you get to pick and choose, you know. <laughs> Teasing that actually happened like very early today. But um, he is our living hope. He is our great defender, our comforter. He picks up our pieces and puts them back together. I know he's putting me back together. And I love him for it. And I know I'm still processing. And I'm still grieving. But I'm, I know I'm doing it with the hope that he's bringing radical con- transformation in my life. This world is flawed and we're going to go through so many losses. But here's the thing. These losses don't necess- necessarily make us less. We don't... We can choose to let the losses burden us and weigh us down. Or we can choose to work through the losses with God. And grow. Our soul, I love that book, the book that we're doing. There's a line in there, our soul is like a balloon. It has the ability to grow by absorbing these losses, by processing with God. These losses can be a conduit to a fresh revelation of who God is. So church, I just want to encourage you this morning that he loves you where you are. He loves you so much. I wish I, wish I could convey, convey, V's and W's, sorry, convey the way he loves you. And he adores you. And that he welcomes your anger. He welcomes your emotion. He welcomes your frustration. So don't, don't, don't push it down. Feel that pain. Feel your feelings. Do that exercise just as I did with God. Say, Holy Spirit, I feel an agitation here. I feel an agitation in my, in my soul, in my spirit. God, I need to figure out what's going on. I've been doing this for the past year. It gets easier. Like I was able to, you know, spit fire what I was feeling. Initially, it's hard. It's so hard. You're going to be sitting quiet with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be asking you, Josh, or whatever, what are you sad about? I'm like, I don't know. But then it becomes as easy as breathing later on. I tell you now, it's really easy. Initially, a lot, Alex and I, a lot of our, we, we were long distance longer than we were married. Yesterday was our six-month anniversary, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we were long distance longer, and initially, all, well, long distance over Zoom for a year. It's like, there's no, you can't read body language. You, you have to learn how to communicate, how to support the other person in your words. And that requires you to actually know what's going on in here. And initially, I was terrible at it. I have to be honest. I was terrible. But then we started working through this book. And I started doing this more and more. I felt an agitation. I'd sit quiet and ask, what am I sad about? What am I mad about? What is making me anxious? What am I glad about? 
It got easier and easier and easier. It even got easier to actually communicate how I was doing with Alex through Zoom. Dev, don't push that pain down. Feel your feelings. David knew how important it was to grieve. He knew how important it was to grieve for a healthy spiritual life. And it is a choice. It's a choice to stop living numb and stop saying everything is okay. Stop jumping to the God is good. We, we talked over the last two weeks how more than half the Psalms are lament. And if you go through them, you'll see verses and verses and verses of God, where are you? Why is this happening? But at the end, there is a still I will say you are good. We can't jump, we can't skip from verse 1 to that end and say God is good. We need to work through those verses. We need to do that. So be like David. Choose to grieve, choose to descend into darkness. Grieving. But this God promises, and I'll end here, this God promises. He promises that the God of all comfort will meet you in that darkness. And reveal to you, reintroduce you to his love. So thank you, church, and I bless you all. I love, I love you guys, and thank you so much for walking with me and my family through this time. I love you guys. Thank you, Josh, for being vulnerable and speaking your heart heart out. I thought we can pray for you right now, even for the situation, for immigration stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) How many of you cried through that with him? Yeah, (laughs) we all did. That was so beautiful. God's heart for you is so enormous, my friend. You know that. You really do. Um, We know that in this past season, God declared unusual favor over immigration status, paperwork that needed to come in. We've seen testimony after testimony, church, already, right? Uh, People who had kind of given up, people who had waited for seven years, and uh, they've been coming through. And so can we collectively, let's just exercise our faith and um, partner with God, because he was the one who declared unreasonable and unusual favor for, for these things. So let's together just stand with Josh and Alex. And um, let us thank the Lord in advance of the evidence being there that his will prevails over all else. All right? So we're going to pray. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, thank you for the life that you released today. Thank you for the truth, Lord, that was spoken through your precious and greatly loved son, Lord. Uh, Josh is an amazing friend, Lord, to all of us. But more than that, he has become a brother, Lord. And we love him. And we love Alex, Lord. And you've put them in our hearts. And so, Lord, when um, they're going through a hard season, Lord, it touches our hearts as well. And we know it touches yours. And so, Father, it's with uh, uh, tears (laughs) of love and faith and hope, 
because you are the God in all seasons and in all circumstances and the one that can bring all things about that are needed. And there is nothing that's impossible for you. We just stand with Josh and Alex, Lord. And we petition for them, Father. And we thank you that there is no good thing that you will withhold from those that love you and that you love. And so, Father, we release these two into your hands. And we say, Jesus, your will be done. And Lord, you have placed them in this country. And you know, Father, how hard it is, as many of us know, how hard it is to be in a place and not have status. And to have to jump through all of those bureaucratic hoops over and over, and it wears us down, Lord. It's tiring and it's difficult. And it can be very demoralizing, Lord. And Father, we just bring all of that to you. And we just stand with them and we thank you, Jesus, for unusual grace and favor. And we thank you, Lord. We place all of these things into your hands. And we say, Lord, we have set our hope on you. We have set our hope firmly on you. And so we thank you that everything they need will be provided. Everything that must come through will come through. And Lord, we thank you that they will walk the season in hope and in peace, resting in you. And Lord, we speak now to every anxious thought and we say, be still in the name of Jesus. For their God is the Lord God Almighty and they have nothing to fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask for your blessings on them. I bless them in your name. Your blessings come with wholeness and health and peace. And so we bless them, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the process that Josh went through to be able to share with us today, Lord. The richness, Lord, that you released to us through him. Thank you for that. Lord, would you just return to him a millionfold <laughs> all that he has blessed us with today. Thank you for all these things, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Incredible message today. We grieve in hope. If we have put our losses, we have put them inside, shoved them down. It's time to take them out too, to grieve. Need not be death. It can be anything, situations. Maybe we had to buckle up and get back into, into work, as Josh said. Or maybe we chose not to grieve. But grieving is a process and it takes time. Allow God to heal us through this time because he is our hope. And the community is with you, grieving with the community. Thank you. Um, we are done for the day today. Incredible day. There's coffee. I'm not sure about the cookies. <laughs> there but uh, we would love to um, say hi to one another meet with us and um, also please do not forget to pick up your children from the kids ministry everyone have a blessed week